da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. All right, a little mad about music, mad about movies crossover episode for everyone. Disney Plus subscribers have hit us up. The Discord has spoken. The, the patrons have spoken. And they want to uh, hear us talk about the Beatles because everybody's watched this thing, seems like. Everybody and their moms, literally, has watched this thing. So um, we got a special guest for this episode. We thought it would be appropriate to get somebody from, you know, the, the resident rock station here in Dallas. You know, the, the true rock and roll station, uh, the Eagle. And uh, that person is a friend of mine. If you listen to our Cowboys show, About Them Cowboys, you'll hear his voice all the time. It's Kevin K.T. Turner. Hey, buddy. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You guys have got a very well-respected podcast, and I don't want to ruin anything. Uh, <laughs> but but thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this thing because, uh, you know, you feel like you got to after it took so long to watch it. So, you know, yeah, what's the exactly. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. We have our own Fab Four now. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We got the uh, the Fab Four here on the uh, on the Zoom call. Uh, KT did uh, some – follow him on Twitter, by the way. KT Fun Tweets, and you'll get exactly what his handle implies. Um, he did an experiment, which I got to give you credit for. The Rolling Stone released their 500 greatest albums, and KT mm-hmm. took it upon himself to listen to all 500 of them. And review them. And he did it. He did it all. Oh, gosh. Uh, talk to us about about that undertaking, KT. Well, so that came out, I think it was last September. Um, and then all what happened was I was off of work, but I happened to be listening to my radio show, The Ben and Skin Show. And they were all talking about uh, that I couldn't make it. They're like, he'll be, he'll be, he'll quit by Halloween. Oh, so like one of you know, those. I did like yeah. I did like the first couple. No, I started because number five hundred was Funeral by Arcade Fire. Yeah, and I was like, like I effing love that. I album. can do this. Yeah, <laughs> this is easy. And then you get to four ninety nine. You're oh, this is gonna be tough. And they're like, he'll be he'll quit by Halloween. And they're all making fun of me. And I was like, no, <laughs> we did it. So I leaned in and did it. And there was like there were times like if you're like too have too much brain fog or whatever, like no, like listen on good headphones or listen in your car. You know where it sounds mm. good. And really, like, pay attention and pull up the songs. And somehow, I was able to finish it within a year. Um, it was tough. There were nights where you would just go, I'm not doing it. But there were nights where you go, well, I'm going to knock out five tonight. And, you wow. know, it, it just depends on how busy. Like, I couldn't have done it. I was more busy now than I was last year at that time. Mm. It was actually the perfect kind of COVID year experiment, though. And I'm I'm, I'm glad I did it because I actually I listened to all the Beatles albums, which I had just heard a few of them. I was going to ask, are all are all eleven or twelve of them on there? Yeah, <laughs> on the five hundred, pretty yeah, much. I think, I think all of them are. If wow. not, it's just one missing. Yeah, yeah. maybe I, Magical Mystery would be the only one I think maybe wouldn't be because um, just because it's so even, short. Or uh, yeah, yeah, Yellow Submarine or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but it was fun. It was also torturous at times though because you're running into stuff and the Rolling Stones like. It's not the best 500 albums ever. Right. You know, like there's some stuff on there. You're like, yeah, this sucks. Oh, yeah. And you just got to get through it. And, but it was fun to tweet it and get feedback and stuff. It was great. Yeah, they they're, they're, they get a lot of things right. But then sometimes they'll go a little dad rock on you with the, which I love, but isn't always, you know, and then they kind of overcorrect sometimes and try yeah, to go they, anti their bias. And it's just a whole thing. Yeah, they'll put something that came out like two years ago in the top 20 of right. all time. It's like, really? Okay, <laughs> let's give. Give it a little time before we're we're crowning these these things. Yeah. So, what's one album that you listened to during that that stuck out? And you're just like, how could this be in the top 500? Because it's so bad. Was there any uh, of that? Or I thought, I mean, I thought the Daddy Yankee album was terrible. But you know, I realized da- Daddy Yankee is very popular. You know, you're more uh, of a daddy. To, you're to, more to, of a daddy Red Sox kind of guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, but like, I, you know, like even like my girlfriend was like, hey, what are you talking about? That, that's a great album. You don't understand how important that is. I was like, oh yeah, good point. So yeah, she's mm. right. You know, it actually is. But apparently that Daddy Yankee album that has gasoline on it is you, a big deal. Do you cut any corners? Did you like, you know, get to a song? You're like, okay, I get the gist of the song. Next song. Or did you listen to the whole thing? I legitimately didn't. And I, I can honestly wow. say it because I have, dude, I've got 
OCD about certain things. Mm. Like I don't necessarily have OCD about, you know, paying my taxes on time or like other, you know, but like <laughs> that I have OCD about things I like and care about and things like yeah. that. I'm the type of guy like reading a book. I won't skip a, you know, it's like, no. And like, I, I, it's a weird thing. There was a, a flaw in the system though, is that they would run out a lot of like greatest hits albums or uh, yeah. here's a box set from, you know, Al Green. And I'm like, well, my, I thought it was the greatest albums. Like if, if the thing, if they're throwing a thing that's oh, like 80 oh, yeah. songs Compilations it, and stuff, yeah. yeah. And yeah. the other thing that I would not allow, if, if the album wasn't on Spotify, there's only a couple that I ran to, wasn't on Spotify. I was like, no, I'm not going to listen to this on YouTube. I'll just move on to the next one. So there was probably, I probably ended up doing like 490. There's a few yeah. box wow. sets they were throwing out there. That is that is absolutely incredible, and wanted to give you some some mad props for doing that. Um, and you know, the Beatles have a lot of a lot of great records. Um, I'll start off the convo by saying, you know, this record "Let It Be" is my my favorite Beatles record. Um, I've I've always loved this record, and and seen the "Let It Be" documentary, you know, the original one, but had always heard about you know these sessions. Never thought this this would be a thing, but Richard, I guess let's talk about a little bit. You know the anticipation for this and just mm-hmm. like unearthing uh, this stuff. Where, where, what did you think? You know when okay, Peter Jackson is going to go back and and do this. Yeah, I mean it got kind of. Um, you know I, when I when I first you know there's been rumblings about this for a couple of years, obviously, mm. and uh, it, it kind of got grouped in. You know he did that World War One documentary where he got all that footage, you know, and kind of modernized it and ran it through the, I don't know, some iPhone filters or something. No, it's far <laughs> more robust than that. But, you know, and I thought it was going to kind of be in that. I, I, I thought it yeah. would be a lot of Beatles sort of concert footage and things like that kind of brought to 8K or whatever. I thought, you know, when I was mm. hearing about it, it'd be much more of a, not a total recontextualizing of, the Beatles in this period, but much more of a, Hey, this is what they really looked like <laughs> instead of the grainy footage you've seen. Um, and then when that trailer came out six months ago or something, you kind of go, okay, no, this is, looks like it's a little more like behind the scenes, seeing how that, and then you hear the length and you go, wow, we're actually going to get uh, what it was like, you know, kind of fly on the wall of, of what it was. But yeah, I thought it was much more until the last six months or so, much more of a flex on like, video editing and, and technology than it was like a narrative documentary. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I, I, I kind of had the, th- the same thought after that, uh, they will not grow old. That's kind of what I thought. We yeah, were that's getting. what it's called. Thank you. Yeah. I thought we were getting kind of a, the, Hey, let's go back. Let's look at, let it be. And, uh, and then I'm just going to kind of edit this into 2021 Beatles. You know, I'm going to give you a fresh look at what the Beatles, I had no idea that it was going to be this until maybe, I don't know, like a month before the movie came out, something like that. It was, it was right around the corner when I was like, Oh, okay. This is a completely different thing than, than what I thought we were getting. Yeah. I I saw some footage of Peter Jackson, like going through the vault. Like it's in this like underground, like giant bunker, like you would see Mm -hmm. in independence day or something like this. Like how we keep our, our archives as well. Mm -hmm. That's what we keep the ma'am archives on, on vinyl down there and and tape. Mm -hmm. So to to be preserved for mankind in the, in the basement of a um, BBVA compass bank. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to go way more random than that. That that was, it's a spirit Halloween store for about a month. Oh, there you go. I I thought it was going to be spirit (laughs) Halloween or something like that. There you go. But yeah, he goes down there and he's just pulling all these reels of a film off and just, you know, his eyes are getting huge as he's, as he's seeing it. And I think it came down to them agreeing to do this, like the Beatles, Apple Corps, whoever contacting him and saying, Hey, we, we've got all this footage. We'd love, we, we'd love for you to do this. And him being like, yeah, great. And them agreeing to do this, you know, make the press release or whatever. And then him actually watching the footage and being like, Oh my God, there's so much here. And, you know, I think we said last week on during Weekly Recommends that the first cut was 18 hours. I want to see the 18 hours because that's the stuff that they thought was good. You know, <laughs> like that's not the because they already did the cutting room floor yeah. stuff of like 100, 120 hours or whatever it was. I want to see the 18 hour cut because, you know, they had to make compromise. You can't do 18 hours. That's just that's just too much. But it was probably good. It was that 18 hour cut is probably pretty good. You see that a lot with like Audible books on on mm. Audible, where they'll have like, especially for the more popular books, they'll have the eighteen hour 
audio and then they'll have like the six hour version. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is going to be the gist of it. It's completely abridged, oh. whatever, especially with a lot of nonfiction. And then like for, if you really want to dive into this, we also sell this other product, yeah. which is the whole thing. Right. I wish they had like both versions of. Oh, of wait. Yeah. You think they're going to, they're going to just totally drop another one of these on us. <laughs> Cause they have so much more footage. Yeah. What about well, you, yeah. KT? What did you think it was going to be? Coming well, in? yeah, I, I didn't know, and I'm a very casual like Beatles fan, so like I just like knew it was coming up, just like any like yeah. like I knew the shriek next door was coming up on yeah, Apple sure, TV, sure. you know, like that type of thing. So mm-hmm. you know, dive into it. I dove into it earlier because I knew it was getting a lot of buzz and things like that. And then I thought it was like there's a million Beatles documentaries out there already, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, never before seen footage in three episodes and Peter Jackson. You put it all together. So maybe they expand the whole career. And I thought it was just going to be the best thing that's ever been done about the Beatles. Right. And then I realized it's about that one year. And I was like, whoa, my mind was blown because, you know, that was such a close time to them breaking up, right. which right. plays itself out. I, I am interested though, like if the numbers end up being good for Disney plus and they, uh, you know, end up breaking it in off this and I'm sure they will. Why wouldn't they release more? Why wouldn't they do another episode with two more hours? That didn't make, any yeah, I see them. I could see them doing an extended cut or something. That makes it, it makes me wonder if they do that. It's the first it's time I thought like about that. Do- it's not like Disney or the Beatles to want to really keep making money. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Peter Jackson's never released any of his movies in a special edition. So no, yeah, that's I not think- the Peter Jackson I know. So I think <laughs> well, you're wrong. Ken. The original Let It Be movie, which I've watched maybe ninety times. I don't think they ever even have released it, but. There's, you know, you bootleg it or whatever. <laughs> um, but I've watched it maybe 90 times. It's it's basically a condensed version of this. It's got, you know, snippets of these sessions and some of these exact same clips. But even for me, this was too much. <laughs> you know, this was like, I'm gonna, I'm two hours <laughs> yeah. into this first episode. I'm like, yeah. gosh, this is already way longer than the, what I've already seen. And I'm only, and I'm like halfway through the first episode. Even for me, for sure. guy who like, you know, inj- inject, you know, beetles into my veins if you can. Like, it was like, all right, man, we need to kind of need to cut this thing yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, see, and for me, the Beatles are closer to a greatest hits band than they are an album band. I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just I, I, I don't have every Beatles song in my brain um, and, and I'm not constantly rotating through them. I, res- I mean, I know the importance of the Beatles. So I was really excited about this thing. My experience with this was episode one, great, totally in. Episode three, cool. We're coming to the fruition of everything that we've been through. The concert's fun. This is great. Episode two, I was like, I am struggling here, guys. Like this is, oh, I can't. Hear I was, str- I was struggling more way more in episode one to get episode into it. Like the Twickenham stuff was was yeah. struggle for me. Once they got to 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 Apple and like got in the proper studio and we're like, okay, let's make a record. That's when I was like, okay, this. They're actually starting to rehearse these songs when they got yeah. they were they were noodling so much in that first episode, just noodling on their guitars so that they could mm. focus the cameras or set up the lights, and it went on for like a straight hour. And I'm like, dude, just play a song, play a freaking <laughs> song, quit noodling like two chords, and then going yeah. to the next thing. And they would all do it. It was like, I, I wonder if part of that though, kid, is like a that you know way more about the Beatles than I do, and b that you were in a band and you kind of know how some of this stuff goes. I'm fascinated by the process. So I'm like really into, hey, the setups and what they're doing to just like the warm up to get ready, Mm -hmm. all this sort of stuff. The second episode, obviously you have these big moments. Like I think that's when the episode where where George leaves and that's crazy. And there's there's like an hour in episode two where you're like, holy cow, like I'm really into this. But it's surrounded by so much. Just like, all right, four hundredth no- time, we're gonna play get noodling, back, and also, noodling, man. yeah, and it's, Yoko that's what, is just that's what screaming they into the it, microphone, it's just, you know, it's just oh, sitting man, on your guitar so, and, and yeah. just noodling your fingers back and forth. And I think it comes down to a few things. One, that the producers of this documentary, uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg, who's the original director, and props to him for shooting all this. I mean, oh my god, if you're Peter Jackson watching this footage, you're just Patting that guy on the back as you're watching it, just like, oh my, oh my God, you're just like, can't believe somebody was there to capture this. And not only that, but it's great footage too, like really artistic, awesome stuff. It's not just, uh, 
1960s like stuff, the way they've edited this, it's really modernized it. Um, so I appreciated that. It wasn't only the producer telling them, Hey, we need you guys to play a few songs while we get things set up, get levels checked, you know, check amp levels. And that's probably a lot of the footage of them playing random songs. And the other thing is, which I, I kind of tweeted this, tweeted some random thoughts about this at the end. I think they just genuinely enjoyed playing together. And, yeah. And, yeah. and they sit and like, oh, remember this song? And they'll play cover songs and they'll just sit there and laugh together. And that's kind of just what being in a band is all about is just joking around with your friends. And that's kind of the only times they get to do that, you know? Yeah. And, and to that point, you know, that that is such a, you know, the part of their mythos is the Hamburg years in Germany where they're playing, right. you know, eight hours a day together in front of these clubs. These as almost like, I mean, they were basically like the Chuck E. Cheese band, you know, yeah. in, in the, in the Cavern club and all this stuff. Right. And, you know, and then they, they, they become so famous and so successful and that you're right, Kent, like that part, there's something, you know, in those millions of hours they spent doing that jamming together, getting so tight. There's this kind of like, it's like, you know, it, it's kind of like you grow up speaking French and then you move to America, right? And when you go back to – or when you're with your French friends, you're so excited to speak French again because you like – it's like you're – you know, and they're so – you can see they have this musical language together that is really pure and true to them, especially uh, with, with John and Paul, that kind of weird kind of almost romantic love and connection they have. Mm-hmm. And so – I think that even when they're like kind of pissed at each other and being passive aggressive and the business of the Beatle and you know Epstein's dead at this point and all of this stuff is like um, Brian not Jeffrey, um, all all of this is uh, has kind of come to a head. There's something about when you put guitars in front of these guys. Yeah. There's this thing that happens, and even they can, are like, "Wow, that's pretty rad." Mm-hmm. Um, that we can do that. So I, I just think that's that's super it's fun that part's fun to watch, even if it's kind of sloppy and noodly and all that stuff. It's like they get to speak French again, you know, and that's so cool. And I don't blame them for being like that because that was their process. I blame Peter Jackson for just Right, totally. The Beatles fan and him being like, Oh, we gotta show all this stuff. I'm like, no, you, you don't have to show all, all that stuff. And it, it was amazing the amount of you know, the amount of songs that they're just spitting out, uh trying to see if they have an idea. Uh, KT, you know, some of the ones that didn't make the Beatles albums on here, dude, you know, all things must pass was in this. Uh, yeah. And dude, you've played, you know, obviously you've played in a, you know, big time band, of course. Right. But I've played in, in bands before and there's nothing more tense. And this was in episode one where it's going to happen towards the end of episode one. There's nothing more tense than when you're trying to get somewhere and you're get, trying to find a, the, the direction that you're going in. And everyone's just kind of lightly like Ringo's in the drums, just kind of tapping away a little bit. Oh, nothing worse than when two guys are arguing and you, yeah, you're not a part of it, but you're kind of in there and you're yes. just like, never, tuning and like feels yeah. like you're going anywhere. And everyone's just kind of making a little bit of noise. Like, can we focus for a second? That's an infamous uh, uh, argument. You know, are you talking about the one with him and George, George and Paul, where it's like I'll play what whatever you want me to play? You know, yeah, and they're they're. But it's really different in this than the original doc, though. The original doc, the there, there's a really extended version of that that you can find. And it's funny because I see both sides of that. You know, Paul's like, I'm trying to produce the band. I'm saying, let's get like the chords down and then we'll add a solo. And John's, yeah. I guess it was George saying, this is me doing a chord. This is what I bring to the band. You know, so they're both kind of had... They were both right, but they just didn't know how to yeah. articulate the correct way to go about it. Because he's 25, you know? Right. right. 25 yeah. years The oldest old. person was, what, 27, 28 in this? I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, two of them were 28, one of them was 27, and George was, was 26. So, and they like have that. That, there's that weird thing, too, where George Harrison is now halfway down the road to becoming George Harrison, and mm. he's just the... He's just the guitar player. He's got something to say now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But to them, he's just like, you know, you're just, you know, you're a backing guitar player basically for these songs we write. Yeah, well, you can have one song in every album, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, you're not that good of a technical guitar player if that's (laughs) all you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, he's one of the great guitar players ever. But in terms of, he's not Eric Clapton. And they're looking for that real technique and all of that. And and I would, I'll take George Harrison over Eric Clapton any day. Um, But, but 
you know, they're especially they're, now. They're, especially, yeah. Thank God. Because of how racist Thank he God. is or what? Yeah. yeah, it's a good time to be yeah, I mean, right side of history, always not yeah. not being much of a fan, but but you know what I mean? They're looking for that really like yeah. your job is to like you're a technician and our job is to be artists. And right. there's that thing of George Harrison going, Well, actually I'm also like a great artist now too. And <laughs> right. and yeah. uh and all the stuff you're writing, I can't technically play because you can't technically play a lot of the great stuff I would write in mm-hmm. terms of how a studio posi- musician would perform it. Um, it's like, it's that, it's that weird tension of this, this person that they see as a, you know, basically like a plumber becoming a beautiful architect. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he's younger than them. So there's like you said, yeah. Kitty, mm-hmm. it's like, there's that thing too. I mean, we've all been through that. That never changes. I could run in a, a t- kid that was two years older than me in high school. That's a total loser, and I'll still defer to them because it's like, well, you're the you're the wise one, you know. Yeah. So I mean, we always have that. It's funny because you see the process here where Paul will sit down and just start playing something, and then the name of the song, and it'll say Lennon and McCartney. Yeah. It's like, nope. Paul yeah. clearly just sat down and right. started he writing that. that. Why is this Lennon and McCartney? Uh-huh. But yeah. that was the that was the under, that was how the Beatles worked. Yeah. Every song was Lennon and McCartney, and and yeah. George got to a point where he's like, I wanted this one to be a George Harrison song, and you know, we got <laughs> Octopus Garden. We need this needs to be on the album. Things like that uh, for Ringo. There's a great interview too that what's his name that Lennon did where he goes through all the Lennon McCartney songs with mm-hmm. Jan Wiener Werner yeah. Wiener Werner <laughs> and uh, uh, and goes through and is like, yeah, that one's really Lennon. That one, that one was both of us. That's what Paul says. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a cool thing too, where it's like, I would say though, as someone who's like studied this stuff forever, there's much more collaboration happening here than I really thought. I thought they had pretty much, there was Lennon songs. There's McCartney songs by this point. Yeah. Especially by this point. Yeah. Yeah. By this point. Yeah. Though they wrote a ton together, but I mean, at this point, they were still Lennon McCartney songs, but it was very clearly a Lennon or McCartney song, and it's actually more collaborative than you know I I thought certainly going in, which is cool. Maybe it was just this record too, and I can speak to just the experience of different records over time. Different records have different processes too. You know, maybe John was the guy for for Sergeant Pepper's and was leading more of the charge for creatively for that. Maybe Paul had to be the one to bring things together creatively for this this one, and. Maybe that will rewrite history in a way. I don't think this will rewrite history other than like, oh, maybe the Beatles didn't hate each other. It is going to do that. But maybe it'll rewrite history and like people will give Paul a little bit more credit than he might deserve just because this is like the one documented account of them recording in a studio, you know? So they'll they'll think every record was just Paul sitting there spewing out songs and John kind of like half stoned adding stuff and, you know singing of course i think john has an incredible voice and you see on the rooftop performance just like what he brings like that yeah. the fact that they got three takes on that rooftop performance mm-hmm. you know as we're sitting in that studio and i this is one more thing before i pass it off is like you sit in a studio for you know weeks you're like why can't i play this guitar part i've been playing it and then you're like why can't i play on for four hours on stage and play every note perfectly there's sometimes it's like being in the moment just has it brings it out of you where they, you yeah. know, take so many of those takes and they're just like, all right, let's go upstairs. And the live show, they just did it, man. They just knocked yeah. it out. It was perfect. And you go back and listen to those tracks and musically they're like flawless. You know, I've got yeah. a feeling and uh, don't let me down. And uh, one after nine Oh nine, I think were, were the ones they did on the, mm-hmm. on the roof. But those are f- awesome, man. Um, but yeah, let me pass it off to you, KT. Well, I like, like first of all, Disney, because it's got Disney on it. They're like, we're going to suck everyone in with three minutes of the of quick, here's the Beatles history. Like for anyone that, that didn't cool. know yeah. and wanted to watch it, here it is. Here's three or, four, yeah. three or five minutes. So when I started episode one, I was tired, but I was like, okay, two hours, 45 minutes or however long episode one is. But I was like, man, I probably knock out an hour of this and then you know, go to bed, come back, refresh the next day, watch it. And then you know, about 30 minutes in, it hit me like, there's not going to be a narrator, is there? There's not going to be, and I think not having a narrator just brings the tension up of everything that's happening. It just brings it up. You didn't have anyone talking over it. The star of the show is them in that room and you're living it with them. Yeah. Now they have the, the, the conflict in the end of episode one In episode two, it's almost like they knew we have to put this part in episode two uh, because episode two kind of drags after that. It's the one time that I kind of felt like a little bit of cringe I didn't really – I'm not saying I didn't like it because what we got out of it is great. 
But the recorder in the flower pot at the diner. Yeah. The whole time I'm watching it and I'm I'm thinking less about what they were saying to each other about going to get George back and rope him back in the mix. And I was thinking more about, man, this is wrong. Like <laughs> more I, about like, I don't like them this. finding out, being like, you effing recorded that? <laughs> and just yeah. the conversation. Yeah. I, I felt so like I there's just something about that that I didn't like, but I'm not offended by it. I'm glad we got it. But it, as it Peter Jackson, you're like Oh my God, you guys got audio of that conversation, you know? And it's like, there's so many things that you just can't foresee when you're shooting a documentary. Like, how could they have foreseen to put a freaking thing in that flower pot, like a a recorder? Like, they knew they would go up there and talk about, I guess they knew they were eating lunch. And so they snuck up there and did it. But like, that's an incredible foresight to like record history, honestly. Did they have to tell the audience though? Because that's my thought is if I didn't, if I didn't know that it was a hidden recorder, I would have never been yeah. thinking that it was a hidden recorder. I just have been hearing they the had audio. They had to, I think, because they didn't have anything to supplement it with other than like footage of a yeah. B-roll of a cafe that they had shot. You know, they didn't – and it was such rough audio too. And yeah. that was cleaned yeah. up. Yeah. KT, were you blown away at the how good the audio quality of this was? I mean, the fact all, that they, I mean, this all, was yeah. all shot, shot, like recorded on basically like tape recorders back in like 69 and they've – brought this back into just the rehearsals of them, like the difference between you can hear the overhead mics of them talking and then like what's actually being recorded in the studio. You know, the blending of that was, was incredible to me. I thought it sounded amazing. I mean, dude, like old cassette tapes I've got from when I was a kid, just farting around on a guitar or doing fake radio shows or prank Uh calling people and stuff like finding those and getting those to be salvageable audio is difficult. Impossible. (laughs) Like, so imagine all that crap. Back in the '60s, like I'm, I mean, but it was all that, torn that, that up. Thing and was great, yeah. Having to sync all this stuff, I bet you know Peter Jackson said he worked on this for four years. I bet a year or maybe two years of it was just syncing up everything, <laughs> finding out what was what, figuring out just the chronology of all this footage and and audio would have been an, an undertaking. <laughs> It's like Peter Jackson did the Rolling Stone Challenge because at the beginning it's like, look at all this footage. And that was like right. my arcade fire. He did number that. 500. Yeah. <laughs> but man, by the middle of it, I was like, I want this to stop. Like I was driving myself insane, like 246, oh, 245. <laughs> I, I wonder if he was like, I got to take a freaking break from this. Yeah. Like you got to go, you know, out to his, his island or wherever Peter Jackson lives and get away from it for two or three weeks because your head would explode. Yeah. But it's so much crap to edit down and. I, I do hope there's more, though. Yeah, like like you just said, I hope there's more. There is I more. Hope they I just hope they release it. I, I, yeah. I would think so. Speaking of Rolling Stones, have you seen the Sympathy for the Devil doc, uh, KT? I have not. I want to. You need to see that one where they're kind of recording that song, the Rolling Stones are. But I was just talking to my wife. I'm like, you think they're like calling their archivists? Like, do we have footage from all of our sessions that we can <laughs> – like, how how is this going to spring other other stuff to come out of the woodworks? I hope so. Because that's great. Whereas Jimmy Jimmy Page and Robert Plant are calling each other saying, hey, make sure we don't have any footage of anything that's <laughs> exactly. happened. Yeah. God, I hope so, though. I hope so. Um, yeah. Whips and chains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If just <laughs> us playing Dungeons and Dragons, or is it worse? Let's, yeah. <laughs> if, if you like a Fly in the Walls Beatles docs, you should watch. There's one called The Beatles' First U.S. Visit that the uh, Maisels brothers did that's – basically a dude following them around when they came over to play the Ed Sullivan show. And it's excellent too. You should, you should check that one out. And you guys were expecting this one to be more of a chronology of the Beatles. Have you seen the Ron Howard one? Eight days yeah. a week that he did. Yeah. Yeah. That one's, yeah. That one's really good too. Yeah. That it's called good. the the eight days a week, the touring years. And it yeah. covers basically from when they started until they stopped touring. And, um, you know, became a, a studio band, which sure. is this version. Yeah. But this is a way to me, though. This is a way more fascinating period, just because. Oh, I love this. This is my. They're favorite. about. I mean, yeah. they're about. They're on the verge of the breakup, and beyond that, you have the the shift in power. Which I, I mean, I kind of love the flower pot or the the teapot scene because, and I agree with you guys. It's a weird production value thing to do it that way, but the just hearing that conversation where they're kind of sorting through. <laughs> passive aggressively especially it's always been your side. band no it's always been your band yeah, yeah exactly but. and and just kind of dealing with that and then then when you kind of when they go back into the studio you know post that conversation 
I feel like you can really, there's a tension there between them, even as they're having, sometimes having fun together and sometimes trying to make a record. And sometimes those two things are coming together, but you have this like kind of interesting, and maybe that's just projecting, but you, you, to me, you can kind of feel like, man, these two guys, it's tense right now. Like then, and, and trying to sort out what their feelings towards each other are at this point. And then of course, you know, this is over in a year, like where they're, they're done. Um, before this record yeah. even comes out. I'm so interested too. I mean, this is an interesting part to me that, that this doesn't touch on and it doesn't really have the capacity to do so. But, you know, a lot of people like had the, this cleared up and, and, and me as well to an extent that this cleared up the, the rift, the Lennon McCartney thing, that it wasn't as contentious as it was portrayed, portrayed, blah, blah, blah. And that's true. But also like a lot of the, what really like, made <laughs> John and Paul hating each other for a while is not what caused the breakup of the Beatles. The breakup of the Beatles led to John and Paul hating each other for a while, just because right. of all the money part exactly. and all that, that the, the real and you know, where they were really separate was a couple years after this, right? 72, 73, 74, they're writing songs, you know, the original diss tracks of the seventies, right? Taking yeah. shots at each other. Yeah. One, his, his album was called Lennon. So his was called McCartney. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So like the, it, it both did and didn't clear. I think that narrative gets a little fuzzy in history, which I mean, this is 50 years ago. Of course it does, but mm-hmm. it's like it, that stuff comes later. You know, they're, they're still pretty, you know, they, they kind of, the Beatles kind of break up on a whim. They broke up because, we broke them up. Right. Let's, I mean, let's be real. A lot of the f- interesting stuff in this doc is them trying to figure out how to play their last show, right. their last big gig, and figuring out, do we do it at a beach? Do we rent a park? Oh, no, it's going to cause mass chaos. Right. They were at a point where they wanted to play theaters as right. a band. They're like, what gets us off is us it jamming and playing in a theater and playing actual music. But they couldn't do that because there would be – a a hundred thousand people lined up down the block. Yeah. If they played at the Brixton ballroom. It just wasn't, they couldn't do it. So there was nothing left for them to no, do. Now they <laughs> just no, do Vegas, Vegas for six yeah, months. They do a residency. Yeah. yeah. If this yeah. was 2021, they would still be touring and probably still be a band, but mm-hmm. there was not a sound yeah. system in the world right. that could handle yeah. the crowds that they drew. That right. was the fact or, of or the they matter. Do, yeah. Or they do the Garth Brooks thing of, of like, Hey, I'm coming to Pittsburgh on this date. I'm going to play as many shows as we sell. So we sell eight shows. I'm going to play yeah. for eight days, you know, yes. something like that is. In, well, that in too. It, and also just the, the money people that get involved, yeah. drugs are a part of this too. I mean, there's, there's right. a bunch of different. Cause John's clearly, I mean, the heroin is a, is clearly a thing at this point. Right. Yes. And yes. that's a major factor that kind of gets a little bit downplayed. I'm sure just because there's they not joke a about of, it. He goes like, watch out for all the needles I've been lying around. Right. Cause I guess right. that was in the, in the press <laughs> or whatever. Before we move on guys and, cover a little bit more of this Beatles documentary though I need to say thank you to a sponsor of this episode NYU Tish Pro Online here's something interesting for all the aspiring filmmakers screenwriters out there that might listen to the show and actually just for you know any established creative that might be listening NYU Tish is offering a slate of online courses this spring on screenwriting on documentary filmmaking speaking of you know, this documentary we're talking about using a remote learning platform and some very powerful features. Most of the other online courses you see are basically just an instructor and a video meeting, no real feedback involved. But these courses from NYU Tish Pro go way beyond that. Their video materials are polished, they're thoughtful, and the interface is extremely intuitive. Courses this spring include their documentary workshop featuring participation from the New York Times Opdocs, which are amazing, and I have watched several of those, including the Framing Britney Spears one, and another course, Writing for the Screen. Again, for all those aspiring screenwriters out there. And this experience is designed to be digital from the ground up, rather than adapted from a traditional course. Looks great, the user experience is intuitive, and it's inherently collaborative and interactive. So you can work with other students around the world as a virtual crew. There's a seamless way for Scheduling live productions and interactions with instructors on our own schedules. I particularly like this one feature that, uh, you know, allows the professor or virtual crewmate to leave comments on a specific point in the video timeline that you can zero in exactly what they're talking about. It's really actually amazing. 
It's truly unlike any other online platforms that you've used for classes before, and it's great because it's custom-built for creative students. The visual arts are front and center, making it easy for teachers and students to seamlessly share, download, annotate, review, comment on videos, all without leaving their online platform. It's really incredible. I know the Imam fam. I know all the Mad About Movies listeners and creatives out there will enjoy this. The deadline is January 7th, 2022. Deadline to enroll. It's tishpro.smashcut.com. That's tish, T-I-S-C-H, pro.smashcut.com slash mad. Seriously, if you want to learn about the craft in an approachable way from some really incredible people, check this out. It's tishpro.smashcut.com slash mad. No experience required. This is for anyone who's looking to be creative. That's tishpro.smashcut.com slash mad. You know, I think there has been a reputation that we'll talk about this because KT's got to get out of here and we'll wrap this up. But Yoko, um, it's always been my indication that she's just kind of chilling there. And the real rift between them comes from the fact that what we're talking about before, that creative energy between John and Paul is so evident. It's like from God himself put them to not only the fact that those two lived on the planet at the same time, but the fact that they met each other and wrote yeah. songs together. That's, that's Crazy. like another whole thing. And it just came down to what excited John creatively was Yoko yeah, and going weird and doing avant-garde music. And that's Paul presented that he didn't resent John. He didn't yeah. resent Yoko. He resented the creative Oops. aspect of what was happening in the dynamic this documentary is Paul. So, Intensely trying to grab on right. to the Beatles. Yeah, he's trying to hold. Yes. He's trying to hold the yes. Beatles together through the John's course of this. John's just not thing. that interested. In it. He's not anti yeah. it, but it's just kind of another yeah. thing. He comes life. back when George leaves the band. John comes back. Yeah, that could have been John's opportunity to be like, "All right, peace. This is clearly done." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he comes back the next day. Like that surprised yeah. me when he was like, "Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, what are we doing?" You know, because first one there. <laughs> yeah, that's what's one of the more fascinating things about this, because you're totally right, Richard. This is It's very clear that this is Paul's attempt to hold the, this thing that he knows is breaking up, that he's, he's trying so hard to hold this together. And yet the way they went about it is let's make a movie, which no one else wants to do. Right. So he just, he, he sets up like, he almost set them up for failure while trying to so badly, you know, hold it all together. It's just, well, it's Paul's so really fascinating. Paul's the visual part of it and making it. Yeah, them, exactly. Exactly. All that for both good and bad. Yeah. And it's like that idea of like, it becomes, <laughs> it's funny retrospectively that like they, the idea of going solo so obvious to us now. Well, why do you care that much, Paul? Just like, you'll just go do your own album and stuff. But like mm-hmm. that, that path had to kind of still be charted, <laughs> you know? Sure. And so he's probably terrified that if this thing ends, what, who, wh- what am I, you know, uh, who's going to care about, you know, a McCartney, what, what would that even be? And that's mm-hmm. like, so, so funny to kind of us now as not only yeah. did they both go on to success and Harrison go on to success, but so many other people and other bands went on, yeah. whatever. But KT, totally. what about you? Are you going to, are you going to branch out after this podcast and like really with your, all of your stuff? I mean, this is going to take you to a whole new level, I think. Well, yeah, no, I've already started the Kevin Turner show podcast, but my co-host quit on me. So yeah, I've uh, <laughs> already in a bind. You, you know, you know, the Beatles now. I mean, you kind of you now know exactly what that felt like. You are now Paul. <laughs> yes, yeah, it feels They're good to exactly, be God for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but on that Yoko topic, there's a conversation that, in hindsight, kind of makes Paul look good. Um, but at the time, it could come off as like maybe like a gossip session as they're talking about Yoho without a room, and he's like, "Well, if you had to choose between Yoko and the Beatles, he'd probably choose Yoko." And I was like, who am I to get in the way of it? And then I'm he like, like sees a, the camera. He sees the camera say. there and he's like, yeah. Yoko's totally. great, by the way. Yoko's awesome, by yeah. the way. <laughs> he's like saying, <laughs> yeah. so on the record, he's like talking good about her. I found I was it. Like, Linda, I was like, Linda's here too. Like, yeah, and she exactly. looks like she's yeah. in high school and Linda's here. Right. He's bringing um, his kid in here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Linda from Wings. You mean? Yeah. yeah I found I it fascinating. Yeah, I, I, that's what I love about this documentary. I didn't realize Paul McCartney was in a Wings origin story. Yeah. Yeah. I only know Wings. Oh yeah, Paul from uh, Lin- yeah the guy Linda's husband Linda from Wings' husband is a great <laughs> yeah. songwriter. I did not know he's, that, and he's the no same idea. guy in the Fireman too. Who knew? Yeah. Would not have would not have thought that. Um, another another thing I um, I found fascinating 
uh, about this was all the just stuff in there, like the memorabilia, like all those notes that they're writing. Where is all that stuff? I mean, that's got to be made. That Bluthner piano that he like wrote Let It Be on, is that still at Apple Apple Core? I, I, I imagine so. Um, what did you guys think about the rooftop concert, man? I thought the way they edited that was freaking incredible with the multiple angles at the same time and uh, multiple well, takes of songs. Like they did get back multiple times. That was really cool to me. If you're going to show something extensively, I think that was the right call to show the, the whole show instead of just, I don't know, this set list or whatever indicated. I didn't need the multiple tracks though. I get why they did it, but I was about out of energy. I was just ready for the damn thing to end by that point. And I loved it. I loved it. My favorite part of the entire documentary, I know everyone's got their own favorite parts. My favorite part of the documentary is footage of the policemen while the concert's happening. <laughs> Another yes. camera. They're so polite. Footage of the They're policemen. just like waiting in the lobby. Yeah. Like, I've got 30 complaints within minutes. And they're like stalling in the house and this cop's just looking around. And that was just so tense too. It's like, here's these cops who know there's nothing they can do but it's their job to say something. Yeah. But the fact that they had, I mean, I can just imagine what Peter Jackson was feeling when he's, when he got to he's like, wait, wait, we've got a camera on the cops. Yeah. We had a camera yeah. on the cops Hidden too. Camera and the, the I plant. loved how yeah. they went split screen. And sometimes you'd have three, four, five views during the rooftop concert yeah. to see what the people on the street were doing. But the cops in the house looking around and shaking their head and probably kind of tapping their foot a little bit too. Like <laughs> I love that. That was my favorite part. I mean, that was chills for me. That, the, the neighbors just chilling, watching them. Normal day, Beatles just jamming on the roof. You know, they're, nobody's freaking out, too. Even the people on the street, they're, they're interviewing them. They're like, who's up there? Like, it's the Beatles. You enjoy it? Well, yes, I think it sounds pretty good. Like, no one's – It's like today, people – their cars would be crashing everywhere if that happened what's today. that old lady? Oh, they interrupted my sleep. It's 3 p.m., woman. That old guy that's like, yeah, I buy all the records. You know, (laughs) this old dude's like, yeah, I I love the Beatles. Yeah, that that is awesome, man. The the amount of stuff in this was was mind blowing. Um, I mean, I can't I can't really get over the like the undertaking of it all. I think that's kind of my my roundabout thoughts on it. Is just super impressed by the overall their overall thing, man. Um, we have Billy this now. Preston. This exists now. How cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Billy great. Preston, too. Yeah. Billy great, Preston. Great oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, dude, he Stress. saved the day. That third he episode where it's just them jamming with Billy Preston for – and basically laying down the actual songs in that third episode was that, Yeah. That was, that was a band in need of positive energy somewhere. Right. Because mm-hmm. it was tedious and their days, it was good and they could find the vibe. Once they brought Billy Preston back in – they started to find the vibe and the fun yeah. came back. Like that That's was That's why we brought you in. It's been pretty tense lately. Yeah. So appreciate yeah, no, you. We're right. always speaking through lawyers unless the recorder's <laughs> going. But it's been like that. Uh Kevin, we've been doing this show nine years, eight of those. I mean, mm-hmm. we got yeah. we got egos mm-hmm. quick. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think that Billy Preston died, and they and they legit have the talk too, where they like you like there's a minute there where he could right. be the fifth yeah. Beatle or something. Yeah. Like he's that yeah. much of an energy piece. I think they were debating the- it because they thought he would override. He would be too good. Remember? Yeah. I'm like, no, he plays with actual yeah. good bands. He, 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 we're not that good. He would. He would make us look bad, basically. If Little Richard's <laughs> band was a heater. Oh band. yeah, Ooh, it's so cool to see them in the studio. Have a record player there, and you know yeah. they had a stack like they had a Beggar's Banquet there from the Rolling Stones. Like yeah. they had a stack of records where they would just play stuff for inspiration. That's. I, I relate to that too because there's so many times you're writing a song, you're like, I want the bass line to sound like X from this song. Have you heard this yeah, song? Mm-hmm. The bass line has this weird, funky thing. Let me play it for you. And you can understand that. Uh, but it's amazing to see that um, back in the day. By the way, Ringo, great drummer, no. man. Immediately just yeah. some of the some of the stuff he does, you just never would think. But it fits right. perfect. Like that gallop beat on Get Back and things like that are just, have just blew, have blown my mind watching him come yeah, up the, with those it, organically. I agree. A big winner of the doc. A, because he's so low maintenance and is just yeah. always ready to come in <laughs> on stuff. But B, we, you know, we've always heard that that stuff kind of going – we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, Kevin, we were talking about, you know, the older person kind of always has that, that uh, hold over you, right? We were talking about it with George. Yeah. And there's that thing too of like – 
uh, it's always been kind of endearing to me. Like Paul and John, especially Paul, they've gotten older. You know, Ringo was in the bigger band first before joining the Beatles, and they always kind of treat him like, can you believe Ringo's our drummer? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's always seemed ridiculous, right? And now this doc, you kind of go, yeah, I get it. That's He's pretty awesome. Like I get what – because he never does crazy fills and nothing's – he's not going to ever be, you know, Keith Moon or anything. But watching his – like like you said, Kent, the way he – comes you know the, the how innovative he is within very simple things what he you thinks go, to oh, play is never yeah. what you would expect but it's always right. the right thing and it's never it's too it. much it's always the now right I thing. now i get the ringo thing i'm like oh now i get why he's truly a great and yeah. when they when it's the three of them and they're like well if he doesn't show up later you know let's we'll call clapton and that'll be it yeah you know yeah and there's thank god that didn't happen because Eric Clapton for sure would have joined the beatles and they would have for sure let eric clapton join the beatles and they would have gone on and probably would have been terrible. But once George comes back uh, to the three of them, they're jamming and George kind of walks in the room and puts on his guitar and starts playing. It's like, Holy crap. That's the Beatles. Like that one extra element. If you remove one small thing from the band, it's not the Beatles. It's just amazing. I don't know how many bands are like that where you can remove the guitarist, the bass player. And it's not at all. Maybe Nirvana, maybe Led Zeppelin. There's very few where you can't know no band member is interchangeable. Certainly not forever. The sickest kids. I can tell you no. much. I mean, they went <laughs> oh, on. No, absolutely not. They no, but, went on. You couldn't even notice. <laughs> but drummer's the most important, uh, instrument when it comes to fit. Like yeah. if you start trying to fit, oh, I can fit a guitar part here. Like I'm right. not comparing the two at all, but like work with me here. Like KT Meg White, Meg White was the perfect drummer for Jack. Perfect White. fit. Yeah. Perfect fit. Yeah. Right. F and show off what he does. And it's mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah, and and Ringo's clearly fantastic drummer, and the same way that Charlie was a perfect fit for the Rolling Stones. That's what I was going to ask you. You saw the Stones with with Steve Jordan playing with them. How was that different? Because I I've always put Charlie in the same category as Ringo, where he never plays what you would expect, but it's always the right thing. How was that? Because the Stones have always wanted to be a blues band. You know, they got uh, Daryl Jones, their bass player, and now Steve Jordan. So they are like their rhythm section is an actual awesome blues band now. So that's kind of cool. But how was that? Is that weird? It's almost like they wanted to just go kind of do like long blues jams. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple times they did that and, you know, Mick wants to break out the harmonica and things like that. But that drummer also has to be, has to have a a less of an ego than maybe the guys up front. And maybe that's why the drummer's in the back, except on the Munch's make believe band where the pizza guys over there. But like, yeah. but, but like one thing, my fa- one of my favorite lines, and he only talked four times, but when Ringo goes, and this kind of could tell you the beauty of the band as a whole, even though they're going through stuff is Paul sitting at the piano and Ringo goes, I could, I could sit here and watch him play piano all day. Yeah. You know, yeah. but yeah, also, really cool. yeah. and this is my number one takeaway from the entire freaking thing is that Ringo looks just like Michael Reese the actor from the Americans. Uh, Matthew Reese. Oh, Matthew Reese, yeah. 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 He does. I mean, Ringo, I mean, like, That's side by side. Call. There were a couple times I was like, did Peter Jackson pull a fast one on us and bring in the guy from the Americans <laughs> to just play Ringo? Because Big they were the wig. Just right. the wig. Yep. Yeah. yeah. KT, is, last, yeah. Thing, last thing for you, um, Beatles versus Stones. Where do you fall on that? Man, it, it – I'm, well, here's the thing. I mean, they're, n- neither one of them are like a top 10 band for me, although my top 10 bands wouldn't exist without them, right? Um, sure. I still have the Stones a little bit ahead for me, a little bit ahead. Yep. But man, it, it's close. And like, I've tried to like play that game where you like go through album by album, you start like counting the tracks and like, do I, can I get a percentage here of which one I like more? And it's always very close. And it always kind of feels like what kind of mood I'm in, too. So, mm. I mean, look, I hate to ride the fence for you. I know we're in the opinion-giving business here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's still the stones by a hair. Yeah. But, I can you see know, the, the highs, the, I'll tell you, the Beatles' highs are higher than, than the Stones' highs in my eyes. Sure. I've always thought of the Beatles as a pop band that wanted to be yeah. a, a country yeah. blues band. And I've always thought of the Stones as a country blues band that wanted to be a pop band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the the Stones are always more of an authentic rock and roll band, in my opinion. I yeah. think their albums, I would much rather sit down and listen to an entire Stones album because I think their B-sides and like their album cuts are just so good compared yeah. to the Beatles where it's a lot more filler in on the Beatles stuff and their their highs are a lot more high. But I, did, I would never would have said that until I married my wife, who's a huge Stones fan and- 
And I was like, <laughs> you know, she sees how big of a Beatles fan I am. She's like, trust me, I'll get you into the Stones. And so now after, you know, she's taking me to the shows and stuff, I can say, yeah, I see, I can see it now. I see why people would say that they're as good as or better than the Beatles. So um, that makes sense. I'm a big daddy well, Yankee fan now. So yeah. Yeah. Gonna happen. Yep. you're a changed Fall man. Back. KT, you're awesome. If you want to follow KT and all of his uh, tweets about what he's listening to and otherwise, check out his Kevin T- Turner Show podcast, our Cowboys podcast, and follow him on Twitter at KT Fun Tweets. And thank him for coming on and talking Beatles because this was awesome and fun. Dude, thanks so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. And please invite me back on once Apple releases the new Franz Ferdinand documentary that's coming <laughs> Absolutely. Out. All right, man. Eight words, actually. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, bro. (laughs) Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there it is. Uh, Beatles get back. Let us know what your favorite scene was uh, in the Discord or on Twitter, things like that. And let us know if this uh, got you into the Beatles. Maybe it's the first Beatles thing you've ever seen. Who knows? I think maybe this will open up some doors for some people. Some young kids, you know, get their first vinyls for Christmas this year. We'll see. They're the Crosleys. <laughs> well, thanks for listening again. And again, hit that subscribe because we've got Oscar season, a lot of stuff coming out. And trust us, there's going to be a lot of content coming on the VIP feed. So make sure you're a VIP. Madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP to become a member because we're going to be dropping some not only throwback episodes on there, maybe some, some actual Oscar-y type movies on there too. Subscribe. Hit, hit. All right, thanks. We'll see you next time. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs>